It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to on the red, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, great review, but most importantly, subscribe, because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now at 7.02 p.m. Eastern Time, which means we're live on YouTube, on the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. Make sure that you go there if you want to pop in and be a part of the show. Because you can come in and you can comment and we interact with the comments and it's a ton of fun. And so go there, subscribe, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, do all the stuff that you got to do on YouTube uh, to be a part of the show. And... Uh, Hit us up there too at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach DT at A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports. A to Z Sports dot com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. Oh, and just like that, Zach, the college football season is no more. Well, the regular season. Still got the conference championship games, which is is if there'll be a little bit of chaos, could be an interesting weekend. Um, honestly, if it ends up being all chalk, could also be an interesting weekend because the college football playoff committee is going to have to make some interesting choices. Uh, but regular season's over. Can't believe it. It has been that quick. It feels like we were just talking about the Virginia game, man. What is up? Yeah, it's always shocking how fast it uh, really goes by. It's... Uh... One of the unfortunate, I guess that's why we like college football though so much because it's kind of always leaves you wanting more. It's not like a MLB that goes forever and ever and ever. The NBA playoffs that stretch into it seems like July. It always ends, you know, one leaving a, you wanting a little more. But at least we got the bowl game coming up, and we'll uh, hopefully get a good destination there. There's a few uh, options that seem to be the per- preferred options for for some of those guys that make those predictions, and usually they're pretty spot on. So we'll. We'll get into that here in a bit. For sure. Today's show going to go into, uh, obviously, the, the Vandy game shortly. Not a ton to draw from that. But uh, I think just reviewing the season at a high level, how do we feel? Because it seemed like there's a lot of, I don't know if split opinions is the right word, but it just at, at the show on Saturday, the postgame show with me and Crompton, um, like just, there's a lot of pessimism, <laughs> I guess it's, it's really the thing. People were just like, it was mediocre. 
meh, I don't even care. This is, and I, I just want to kind of talk about that. It's like, how, how should we really be feeling right now? Yeah. Eight and four is not the goal, but, uh, do we need to add a little perspective to it? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll discuss that. And then, uh, transfer portal rumors, of course they've been swirling. Oh my goodness. Dylan Sampson made an Instagram post and all of it. Oh, as, uh, happens every, every off season since the transfer portal has been instituted. We're going to talk about everything that, that we've seen so far. Hasn't been much actually, thankfully, but we'll discuss what has been out there. Then we'll finish with a little bit of basketball because the end of the Maui Invitational did not go as planned for Tennessee basketball, but they could still be a good team. And we're going to discuss it all tonight, but we're going to start off of course with high level, how we feel about that 2023 season right after I tell you, about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That's fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Go get yourself a health plan. Support them because they support us. All right. Season's over. Eight and four. Tennessee blasts Vandy. I mean, I I guess we could start off here. Did you have any thoughts about that game, Zach? Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a blowout. Vandy's absolutely just horrendous. But uh, what did you think of that one? Uh, it was nice to end the season kind of on that note. Joe Milton having a big day, regardless of that whole Joe Milton conversation, which is really kind of a moot point at this point. At this point in the season, because it, it's it's pretty much done and over, and what's happened has happened. But you still got to respect Joe Milton for who he is, the kind of person he is, uh, what he put into his time at Tennessee, kind of what he went through. So to see him go out and have a game like that, I thought was uh, it was really nice to see. I mean, six total touchdowns, almost 400 passing yards. His first time passing for over 300 yards. There's some really nice passes. Still had some moments where he could have, you know. Seen the field a little better. Receivers didn't help him out entirely uh, the entire time either. Swear White had a particularly rough first half, a couple of drops and near fumbles, and that that's kind of been the story of the season. You know, there, those explosive moments were there at times, but then it also seemed like everything was just a little bit off at times. Like that game was kind of a microcosm of the season. There was some bad. Vanderbilt looked like they were going to maybe make it a game early, but Tennessee was able to shut that down pretty quick. Vandy's just, they're not a good team at all. And they're in a mm. tough spot where if they do get some good players, they're probably going to hit the portal after a year. It's because the opportunities and people are blowing them up. They might hold on to a couple, but that's, that's not enough to really build a program. I like Clark Lee a lot. Um, even throughout that little scuffle, I thought he was kind of doing the right thing there. He was standing up for his team. His quarterback got hit couple times where, you know, they didn't blow the whistle, and Tennessee's playing through the whistle. It got a little chippy there in the middle part of the game, and it seemed like the officials were about to kind of lose control of that game. I thought they probably could have did a, a little more there for both sides to kind of cool, cool the heads there, but it, it didn't turn into anything too major. Than, well, that was probably the most exciting part of the game other than Tennessee putting a few points on the board. Yeah, that, that whole kerfuffle, whatever you want to call it, that was very stupid. I... I that was all the refs' fault. You you couldn't hear the the whistle. The refs didn't run in to try to end the play. The refs did not do much of anything in terms of handling uh, the the players going at each other like that. It was dumb. 
and Lee deserved to be mad. Tennessee players also deserve to say, hey, I didn't hear a whistle. Both of those things can be true. Uh, and the whole thing was dumb. But yeah, that was the most exciting, exciting like part the way, of the game. I like the way Lee handled it after the game. I mean, it really, instead of making it this kind of like Eli Drinkwitz would have after that Arkansas game where he's talking about every you know Arkansas players just wanting to fight when his players were right there in the middle of all that too. Clark Lee just like, hey, it's it's an emotional moment and an emotional game at the end of an emotional season. I mean, that's it's just kind of what happens in those moments. And it's not it's not the end of the world. It's just dudes out there competing. Uh, shows that they have some passion. I, I have no problem with kind of stuff like that. No, I. The, the only thing that I said is like, why are you getting into a fight with Vandy? Don't fight with Vandy. Don't give. The, don't do that <laughs> with these dorks. <laughs> I saw uh, when I tweeted about it some during that game. Some people called them uh, the the pocket protector brigade, uh, the commode doors. That was a good one. I haven't heard that one. I'm, yeah, and, you know, the I've I've heard the commoda doors but it actually is better just commode doors that makes more yeah it's way more embarrassing <laughs> more sense <laughs> um yeah i mean man, god fandy is just so bad i i said this to crop man after the game like they really need to have a, a come to jesus meeting with the rest of the sec where where you you just gotta go hey do something that i mean they are they are below group of five Group of five. I mean, they lost UNLV this season. They stink so bad and just provide nothing. To, their basketball team stinks. Their baseball. Okay, maybe you can keep baseball in the SEC. But everything else, man, I like ser- seriously, they are a leech on this conference. And I and I some of some close friends of mine are big Vandy fans. You're a leech on this conference. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are. They, they are just here sucking up resources and doing absolutely nothing. You do not provide the Nashville market. Tennessee does that. And and you don't provide any kind of decent sports outside of baseball, and baseball's not not a you know major revenue sport. And so it's still an easy win on so schedule. So I don't, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, they're they're not going to do anything, but it's just like in especially in the age like of NIL. If, if Ohio State gets to beat up on Rutgers and some of these schools, and Clemson gets to beat up on Wake Forest or you know whatever the case, uh, you know Tennessee's got to have got to have at least one of those. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it is uh, fair since Tennessee's having to play Alabama and Georgia every year. Except thankfully that's going to go away. Praise be. Uh, still got to play Alabama every, every year. Every other year. Yeah, Georgia's every other year now. But it, but at least you get a year off from getting barked at by these degenerates. Um, but so that uh, yeah, not a ton to say about that game. Loved it for Joe. Loved that Joe had a big game. That that was great. Got to see Nico. Didn't get to see him as much as I would probably like, but you know, you still got to see him, and and uh, he he looked fine. And <clears throat> I, don't, I don't really understand why they played Joe all the way through the third quarter. Although he probably had his most fun drive on his final drive, um, and he did he did cartwheels into the end zone. I mean, it, he was just having a really good time out there, just <laughs> smashing Bandy's head in. It was really but, the best he had looked. Kind of the most comfortable yeah. I felt like he had looked. He was making plays on the move, throwing on the move. You could have got that a couple of times earlier in the year. Maybe that Florida game, second half of that Alabama game. Maybe some things play out a little different. And that was the thing with Milton is the game's so mental. I mean, the physical part is super important, obviously. But the mental part, I mean, Tom Brady wasn't the most athletic guy. Didn't have the strongest arm. Joe Burrow kind of in that same, you know, 
does have the strongest arm, isn't the biggest guy, fastest guy out there. It's just so mental and making these decisions just like that. I mean, that was the thing Hendon Hooker was really good at when I went back and I was watching some highlights from the Vandy game from last uh, two years ago in 2021. And you could just tell the offense operated at such a faster pace, even not even not even snap to snap, just everything, just the way the whole thing just kind of operated, the the decisions that were made at the line of scrimmage, the passes. And it wasn't a ton fast. I mean, it, it was just that that half a second, right? Half a second makes all the difference. And it just felt like Milton was lacking just that half a second. I don't know if it was confidence or what, because when he played confident at times, like the Clemson game last season in this Vandy game, he looked like a different quarterback at times. And I think that's why going into this season, coming off of that Clemson game last year, you had these high expectations. Yeah, part of it was the players made it clear, like competing for the SEC East, getting to Atlanta was their goal. And I appreciate that. I respect that. We went through way too many years of of the standards trying to drop. You know, Butch Jones, even Jeremy Pruitt, they, they didn't want to – kind of throw those expectations out there and this team under Heifel hasn't shot away from that and I appreciate that I think that's the way you have to approach any season no matter how your roster looks I think still we we thought that that old Milton was gone and that Milton from the Clemson game was going to be the guy we got for for 12 games this season and it just wasn't and that's not fair to him maybe to put those expectations on him I mean ultimately he did all he could do uh coaching staff believed that he was the guy you know, at the end of the day, he got them to eight and four, and there was a time when we would have killed for eight and four. And I'm not saying that we should settle for that by any means, but you know, if we would have went into this season, the narrative being a little bit different, where we weren't talking about the SEC East, we talked about it as a rebuilding year, getting to Nico and kind of focusing on all the players that Tennessee lost. How do you think the reaction would be then? Like, it would it be significantly different than it is right now, where half the fan base seems overly disappointed. Yeah. I mean, the, <clears throat> the entire feeling right now would be different. If you, let's say if, if it had gone seven and five in year one, is it? Yeah. Seven and five in year one. He's, it wasn't six and six, seven, and five. Yeah. They lost one. the ball game. Yeah. Well, and then lost. And then the if you game. went eight, eight and four last year and then went, and then this season eight and four again, I mean, your expectations coming in, if, if last year had kind of been like this year more, I, I think it would have been fine because you wouldn't have sniffed that. Oh my goodness. We, we beat Alabama where, you know, in the elite echelon, number one in the college football playoff, like Tennessee got back everything that it had in, in the nineties in that moment last season. And the, you know, these fans that are old enough to remember that they, they were there. You remember what that feels like. We all do. If, if you're old enough and and so all of those expectations come flooding back in an instant. And so suddenly you're expecting it to be, you know, year over year, that same 10 win thing. Well, this year ultimately was just not that. And I, it goes back to a few things there. There's one legitimate excuse for some about this. And actually in, in the comments, I wanted to get to some of the comments. There's a lot of comments so far. And actually this is perfectly timed. <laughs> Kenny, just happened to comment this just now. He said, can y'all talk about injuries throughout the year that hindered this team? That's what I was about to say. There's one excuse that you could throw in the injuries and, and specifically at the wide receiver position. Um, because you had brew go out and 
then you know to to uh, uh, much later time i mean you had uh uh, uh dante uh thornton <laughs> thornton i was thinking slaughter Danico slaughter dante thornton anyway um dante thornton goes out at a later date you know he wasn't out for as much this season near as uh brew but like that you were working with a set of wide receivers like squirrel is being set in this position to be a number one wide receiver squirrels on number one wide wide receiver fun player he's speedy he's he's a you know just a really fun athlete he's still just a a sophomore too i mean he's not a veteran guy and yeah and you have some elements like that where you just and now i think you're seeing especially yesterday with with jalen hyatt jalen hyatt was an elite talent he won the Blitnikoff award, and everybody was like, "Well, he can just run fast. He can uh, uh, uh. no, he can't. It's not just running fast. He's he's turning out. You know, he had his first hundred plus yard game yesterday in the NFL. He's he's a good, a good player. And you know, you you don't have that this year. You don't have Cedric Tillman. You didn't have Brew McCoy for a huge chunk of the season, and that hurts a ton. That's that's the only le- fully legitimate excuse. The rest of it is I I just this team just wasn't as good. Joe Milton's not as good as hooker and yeah if you came in with those expectations that were in light of the last 15 years rather than in light of just last year yes i i think we're walking away from the season going you know we didn't win the sec east but hey we could get nine wins with this bowl game sweet now let's go into next year with our you know number one qb in america and let's see what happens but instead it's it's what i said uh happened during that post game uh on on saturday tons of people were just like mediocre total letdown failure all these things and you just go we gotta have a little bit of perspective here you don't have to if this season was not a success it was not a success i don't think the players would say that it was a success but you do have to keep it in in perspective and say this team is still building there's you know a ton of, of talent coming in the transfer portal. You can still pull from all of these things where this team's going to be completely different next year. And, and the potential is all still there. And, and I'm still very excited for the future, despite the quote unquote letdown of the season. Yeah, the further removed we are from it. And really I, I, I kind of started thinking about this going into the Vandy game towards the end of the week. You, you think it's less than three years removed from everything that happened with Jeremy Pruitt, that, you know, that was three years ago next month in December when all that kind of broke about the NCAA violations, the recruiting investigation, all those guys hit the portal in January following that lost so many players there that that class has never been that, that class right there has never been touched, right? Like you've added a few portal players, you've kept some super seniors, you've signed guys and brought them in. So you've got a lot of youth, a lot of older guys, and then you have this void in the middle of the roster that's just, they weren't there to pick up the slack when these injuries happen. Really what should be the most talented part of your roster, redshirt sophomores, juniors, they're just not there. You had, like I think, six juniors on this team, not counting walk-ons. That was just that depth and that part of your roster was depleted. And when you think about the super seniors, Yes, it's great to have that experience. They can be an extremely important part of your team. Tennessee is relying on a lot of those guys. Well, let's be honest. Like, if you're a super senior, you're a COVID senior, whatever you want to call it, if you were a really, really good elite SEC player, you're not sticking around. You're going to the NFL. I mean, 
Cade Mays didn't even stick around. Went sixth round and can barely get on the field right now. Most of these guys were going, the Jalen Hyatts. I mean, he wasn't sticking around another season where, you know, because he's that talented. He didn't need to stick around for another season. Most of the guys that stick around, they're probably going to be late round NFL draft picks and they're not getting drafted at all. So, yeah, you got experience, but it's not elite, elite talent there. So, so much of the elite high-end talent on this roster is really young. Really, really young. Some of the players that get Hypo signed in 2022 and 2023 that you expect to contribute. Just all that combined with the injuries and then the quarterback play wasn't elite. Like we've, we've beat a dead horse with that, but Joe Milton was a average middle of the road <clears throat> SEC quarterback at best. You put all that together, you know, eight and four, nine and three. That was probably the ceiling for what this team was working with, to be honest. Well, I saw some talk too that, oh, all of the players that were the best players on this team were guys from the Pruitt era. And Hypel, you know, none of Hypel's guys have been productive. And we, we don't even know if he could develop players. And little, there's a little bit of credence to that. But I would put it to that exact point. The guys that Hypel has brought in at their oldest would be from that first recruiting class, which is hopefully going to be his worst. What, 2021? Uh, Yes. And really, and so they, that's mostly, I mean, he really didn't even get to sign most of those guys. Most of those guys are already true. signed by the time he took, you yeah. know, 2022 was his first real class. And so, it, I mean, they're only going to be two years in. It's going to be a, a squirrel white. You know, it's going to be, uh, that, that James, says for James Pierce, James Pierce. I mean, anybody, hello, <laughs> some of that young talent has been good. Now, you know, at, at cornerback, that could certainly be debated because it just seemed like they've stuck so hard line with seniority at that position. So we almost don't even know what the young guys can do at that position. Yeah, that's a Tim Bench thing. It's yeah. And that's a whole other conversation that I, honestly, I think we could have here, but um, you know, I, I just think that that's a little overblown at the moment we get, we get through next year and you know, the, a lot more of Hypel's players are playing a lot more regularly and it, and it just looks like there's been no development at all. And they're just not coming along and these guys aren't progressing. Okay. We can have that conversation. I don't understand but that. Conversation at this point, I don't get with. It. I mean, Velas Jones didn't do much under Jeremy Pruitt. You know, Jalen Hyatt didn't do much his true freshman season obviously not much into his sophomore year till till his junior year and kind of blew up like Heupel took these guys and had more success than Pruitt was having with them so that whole conversation has never really made a lot of sense to me and and ultimately you're signing top 10 classes the talents there I, I don't I don't really lend much credence to this Pruitt's guys versus Heupel guys I mean SEC talent is SEC talent. They're all, all all these schools that aren't Georgia and Alabama. They're pretty much chasing the same guys. Most of these guys have offers from all the other SEC schools: the South Carolinas, Missouri's, Kentucky's, Florida's. Yeah, they're all going after the same guys, same caliber of talent. So, I think we've seen some development. I think, I mean, that's the reason Darnell Wright's in the NFL. I mean, Darnell Wright told this told the Chicago exactly. Tribune at one point he was considering giving up football before Hypo's staff arrived. Like he just didn't, he, he wasn't developing under Pruitt. 
that changed under Heupel. He was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. That doesn't happen without Josh Heupel and his staff coming to Tennessee. Who knows what happens if Pruitt stays? Maybe he he leaves, goes to the portal, gives up football. I don't know. I mean, he's the one that you know kind of said that, that that was on his mind. So I, I don't buy into this development thing. I think that's just kind of a, I don't know. There's a lot of detractors out there, cynics, naysayers. Yeah, it, it feels like a panic thing where people are just like, oh, the season didn't go how we wanted. There has to be something deeply wrong. I, I think you, you just ran into it. It was in reality, it was a rebuilding year and not a building on what you had last year, year, which I think everybody was really wanting it to be, including me. I mean, I predicted 11 and one before the season. You You wanted it to be building on last year rather than rebuilding from losing a bunch of guys off of a team that was really special. And, and so you, you take that into consideration, hindsight 2020 and yeah, this year, I, I, I will say this year was a letdown, but only in light of last year. And I actually think a big part of that letdown came in from there being injuries and some circumstances that Tennessee couldn't control. I mean, losing Brew McCoy, uh, just brutal. I mean, he's the guy that you needed Joe to lean on and he didn't have that that guy. And I think it was really obvious in some spots this season where he just, you know, he just couldn't trust the guys he was throwing to. Heupel couldn't trust the guys that Milton was throwing to. And in turn, Heupel couldn't trust Milton. And already you were already not trusting Milton fully because of his more limited skill set compared to hooker. And it just, that's just a bad formula. You add all of that together and that's not where you want to be. It leads to 17 points in two weeks against Missouri and Georgia and, and some situations like that. And that it's just, Tough man, and so yeah. Well, and like Ed in the comments here, he said the Florida loss is now totally excusable. Florida uh, doesn't even make a bowl game, uh, and I mean B- Billy Napier by the game is just looking worse and worse. And you just you look at that and you go, oh, how did we let that happen? Why, why, why? And and you know at at that point <laughs> you had more of the team healthy, and and you were in a better spot, and you still not only did you not win, you got run off the field. And that, so th- there were some moments here. The the way you lost some games really made this season hurt. Some stuff like that, and the way that some things went. I mean, it just it's a letdown. It's a letdown of a, of a season. While at the same time, it's, it could be two things at once. Season was a letdown. Also, we got to have a little perspective and say we would have, you know, we would have been falling over ourselves to have an eight and four season three years ago. So it's it's both of those at the same time, and and here we are. Yeah, even if, uh, you know, there are kind of the excuses or not really even excuses, the reasons for the the way the season played out. And I'm on board with accepting most of those. There are things that do need to improve going forward into next season, right? Like it's not just, okay, everybody's going to be a year older. Nico's going to be the quarterback, 15 and 0s in play. Like there's a lot of things we need to see improvement on. On the road, you know, Playing on the yes. road, whatever the deal is there, there were some comments at the end of the season uh, where players kind of talked about just kind of having that that juice of the home crowd really, uh, you know, especially on defense when, you know, the home crowd is loud on defense that they fed off of that. And they don't have that on the road, obviously, when the defense is on the field, it's kind of quiet for the offense. It's not the same. And they had trouble kind of generating their own energy. The only time we really saw them have energy on the road was that Kentucky game 
going into the fourth quarter when the smoke covered the field, you saw the Tennessee defenders dancing on the sideline, and you could see it there. And that was one of the best halves of football they played. They've got to figure that out. Like you've got to be able to dig deep and and bring that yourself, especially on the road, because it's the only. If you don't have that, it's going to be a tough time out there, and you're you're going to get eat up. And and not just the juice on the road or from the defense, it's the passing defense in general. Uh, that the defense this season, this whole you know kind of keeping everything in front of you. It, it, it led to these teams going on these long sustained drives, right? And with the offense not being as consistent as it was last season, there's a lot of three and outs, you know, a lot of stalling out a minute, a minute and a half of real time passes and the defense is right back on the field. Your depth had already taken a hit. I think at that point you've, you've got to be a little more aggressive and you've got to play a different type of defense. If you give up the big play, you give up the big play. I'd rather see you give up seven points in, you know, a minute and a half than seven points in eight minutes of game clock. I mean, what the uh, the Missouri game was the perfect example of that. I mean, it just it. Oh. I know it's a Butch Jones term, but it wasn't complimentary football at all. You were <laughs> you were killing your offense playing this style of defense. Like in a vacuum, it can work because a lot of times they would get into the red zone, they'd hold them to a field goal. You know, maybe get a turnover. The more plays they run, the more chances you have to have you have at a turnover. But it just didn't it didn't work for where the offense was this season. It, it just put even more pressure on on the defense when they've got to come right back onto the field and then do it again and again. And by the second half, they're just they're they're wore out. I mean, they're done. You can't expect a team to go out there and defend that many plays with with teams kind of picking you apart going down the field because you're just letting them have it. I mean, we saw it so many times. They're playing, you know, this soft coverage on third and seven. The safeties and the, the corners aren't even at the first down marker. You're just making it easy. You know, the Georgia game especially, I remember a third and seven with Brock Bowers. I mean, he runs to the first – a defender hasn't even got to him yet. You just let him have that that first down. So, the philosophy there, I feel like it's got to change. Maybe with more talented young players, it can I, – Maybe they just weren't in a position where they could play man coverage that often. They were scared to death of getting beat. I don't know, but that that that's something that has to be better moving into next season. Well, it's a great a great spot to do this. Our our first segment's going a little long here. Uh, let's talk about the coaching and if there needs to be any changes uh, during this off season. And and I don't even necessarily mean firing people. But just like changes maybe to the way Hypel coaches too. There, there's points to be made there on, on both of those. Uh, and we'll talk about it right after I tell you about Zen Sports. You've been hearing us talk about Zen Sports all season long. And we've got uh, an exciting or we've got exciting news. Now when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you'll receive up to a one thousand dollars. No danger, first waiter. That's right. When you place your first bet with Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to $1,000 maximum if that bet loses. But there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This uh, VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, check out the program at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? 
get going and download their app at zinsports.com today. Zin Sports. Betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. <coughs> and I'm going to have to get some water here. Hold on. Ah, the beauty of a live show. There you go. Um, All right. So the, the coaching. There were some points here made in the, the comments. Let's see. Uh, where'd it go? Billy Bob right here. He says, play calling has to change, not being so predictable. Oh, and, and this is nice. Antoine says, we're speaking truth. Thank you. <laughs> I like to think so. Uh, but uh, Billy Bob, play calling has to change to not be so predictable. Jared says that he agrees that it's been predictable. I, I think there's been some points made that maybe Hypel is is not an amazing motivator, kind of to your point uh, there, where they just look flat on the road that's the speculation of course the play calling you can see right in front of your eyes and and kind of criticize that but in terms of him being motivator you don't really know exactly what goes on behind closed doors but uh we we can start there before we get into whether you need to hire or fire anybody in this offseason uh but i can't agree with that more hypel's play calling this year what and this this could have come from a multitude of places, but the play calling is predictable. And last year with Hooker, you just saw them bring in these folds and do some different things and do this and do that. And and there was just absolutely none of that with Joe. Was it because they didn't trust Joe at all? Maybe. Was it because they didn't trust these wide receivers at all? Maybe. Maybe. Was it because that offensive line, they you know they weren't exactly earth movers? Maybe. I, I think it could be a combination of all of that together, but it was milk toast and it it just got eaten up at some points by some of these teams. Obviously you look at that Missouri and and Georgia, uh, those two games back to back and just nothing, nothing going. And there were no adjustments and there was no nothing. They just were kind of trying to fit, uh, you know, square peg around hole or however you want to say that. uh, And it's tough to watch. And, you know, I, I think there's an element in there of hypo, runs the system. It's hypo system. He's going to run it until the wheels fall off. And I said this last week, you run until the wheels fall off. Well, the wheels fell off at points in this season. So change it, do something different. Do like do something because it just can't be that if it's not working. Now, hopefully Nico makes that better. Hopefully the talent coming in makes that easier on hypo too. But that's, that is something where I will point out and go like, you got, we got to do something here. We got to do something. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a really complex conversation because, as we know, Josh Heupel's offense it's pretty unique. There's not this catalog of of plays uh, that that you might see in a more traditional offense. So much of it is on the quarterback and the receivers on the field, what they see, making the right moves, a lot of choice routes, and, and these choice routes it's kind of become like a, a dirty word when it comes to play calling and, and getting ready re, players ready for the NFL, but they're being ran in the NFL every Sunday. We saw the Buffalo Bills screw one up uh, yesterday in overtime that would have won the game against the Eagles. Ironically, it was a former Josh Heupel player that was in the end zone running the choice route, Gabe Davis from UCF, and he went one yeah. way and Josh Allen went the other way with the ball. They weren't on the same page in completion. When you had that chemistry like you had with Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt last season, those are touchdowns. And that's that makes play calling look a lot different because all of a sudden you're hitting on these plays 
that that you were missing on this season. So I think, yeah, a lot of it starts with the quarterback and then the trust that Hypo has, not just in the quarterback, but your receivers too, to make the right choice. And it didn't seem like he trusted, he wasn't putting them in the situation to make the right decisions a lot of times you saw a lot of these screen passes, these perimeter screens where, you know, as Hypo says over and over and over, it's just an extension of the run game. It's getting the ball out there because you're spread out so wide. You know that you've got a blocker and you've only got to beat one guy. So there's a good chance you're going to pick up four, five, six yards. That was the goal on most of those plays. Sometimes, you know, Squirrel or Brew, before he got hurt, might break one or break a tackle and, and gain a, you know, get a first down, 15 yards, whatever the case may be. But I think you saw this really simplified offense because of the personnel. And I don't think, you know, from last season or 2022, it was a much different looking offense at times. It was much more dynamic. Every week it seemed like they were adding little things. You just didn't see that this season. Well, Hypo didn't quit being that guy. And, and I know there's the narrative about maybe Alex Golish had a big impact on that. And yeah, I, I think Alex Golish probably did have a big impact on it. I think Alex Golish is a really smart guy. Did a really good job at USF this year. Yeah. He's very confident in the box. Uh, there's no really hesitation with him. I think him and Hypo were in lockstep with each other, where kind of allowed Hypo to be a little more of a CEO type guy. His hand was still in the offense there. So I, I do think losing him was was a big loss. I don't know if it was the entire reason that the offense looked the way it did this season. Though. I think it was just a a combination of things. I mean, it, these guys, Jeff Lebby, that just took over at Mississippi State, that kind of comes from the same offense, has worked under Hypo before. When Oklahoma's offense wasn't, you know, clicking this season, you heard the same criticisms out there. There were games where it's Lebby's running the same five or six plays the entire game. What's, you know, what's he doing? Where's the creativity? They did, these guys don't just forget how to be good play callers. Again, I, I think it's just it's so much on the quarterback and the players on the field. To run that fast, there has to be. It's the only way that system works. You can't call in a play and just necessarily execute it that quickly. It's dependent on what the defense is given. And the defenses did play Tennessee a little different this season, though Heupel kind of said, hey, they, they've seen that in the past. That's nothing to panic about. Uh, there were times they exploited it plenty of times. I mean, how many missed deep throws did we see or miss, you know, drops down the field that if you know 75% of those plays are made, the, the the conversation about the offense sounds a lot different this offseason, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you're you're right on on all those points. It's uh just it's kind of a cop out answer, maybe, but it, it just is what it is as as far as that goes. Um and and so hopefully with uh getting guys back from injury, with getting exciting young players in here with Nico and all those things that can improve. I mean, the, the, the prospect of having the number one quarterback in America with what looks like the kind of talent that Nico has for three years. Oh, Oh, I mean that, that'll send shivers down your spine thinking about that. That's, that's really, really exciting. Um, and hopefully the talent around him comes with it. If you can get, really good offensive lineman you can get you know guys like mike matthews the wide receiver spot and you know the, i think i think it could open that up but i i just also you know hypo in some certain spots 
shotgun and, and short yardage. Please shoot me in the face. No more. There were some don't, situ- don't there do some, it. There were definitely some situational things, and I, you know, he he kind of mentioned it at times. I mean, you heard him at the end of that A and M game, kind of you know a candid moment there where he said, "Hey, I almost effed that up," you know, a couple of times in that <laughs> game, and. and I appreciate the candidness from him because a lot of coaches are, are not comfortable enough in their own skin to be like, hey, I'm not going to be perfect all the time. We see it at all levels of football from from college to the NFL. Some of the situational stuff, is, it's a lot easier uh, when you're watching on TV from your couch than it is in the moment on the sideline with all the pressure going on to, to, to make those decisions. Some of those fourth down calls, some of them you got to punt. Some of them you got to call a better play, kind of read the situation that's that stuff he he does need to improve on for sure moving forward but i think offensively you know as far as staff changes continuity is so important to him the only thing you know if somebody leaves for another job i know jerry mack the running backs coach was mentioned today that middle tennessee might have some interest in him for their head coaching job he's from memphis that might be a job that interests him i, I don't know where his head's at he's been a head coach before you know north north carolina central uh, before he's an offensive coordinator at Rice. So if he leaves, you got to go find a running backs coach. But I think Heupel would probably find somebody from his tree of coaches. It wouldn't be some random hire, completely new voice. Though I think I think he should kind of go into some of that because he, that's how he found Alex Golish, right? Like Golish wasn't a guy that came up with Heupel. He's a guy that he went and got from Iowa State that maybe brought some fresh ideas I do think you can get stagnant if you're just hearing the same voices all the time. Continuity is important, yes, but you got to hear some new ideas from time to time. But I think defensively, that's where you might, you know, could see some staff changes. I, I think Willie Martinez, I don't know, if, I don't think he was under contract beyond this season. So that's kind of where that conversation probably starts. I don't think there's going to be a defensive coordinator change. That would be surprising. The defense gave up the same amount of points per game as they did last season. Uh, so I don't, I don't think anything drastic is going to happen there. Timothy says, is Martinez terrible or we just not have any players in the secondary? Um, yes, that is the answer to that question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if Martinez is terrible. But when you look side by side at how much that defensive line has progressed compared to what these defensive backs look like. And they're both, I mean, the, the defensive line is playing young guys and the defensive backs, at least for a big chunk of the season was all like super senior guys. I, 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 you know, you, you could make some arguments like, Oh, just the players that Martinez has just simply aren't good. But I, I, I would just argue, I, they just, they don't, look well coached and it would not surprise me if if he gets axed i don't think tim banks will get axed because as you said actually the defense got better from last season to this season well, um and so you know it's marginal and you didn't have the offense to back it up in, in a whole set of games this year but it, it actually did it did get better. And and I think you have some exciting players coming in. You have some exciting guys that are already here that are young coming up and, and you got to just roll with what you have there and maybe banks leaves for something else. And I think you, you look at like a, 
you know, Derek Mason or, or something like that. Uh, you know, he, he called one of Tennessee's games earlier this year and it sounded like he was begging to be Tennessee's defensive coordinator, probably because he didn't love what he was seeing from Tim Banks. But I, I also, that said, I don't think Tim Banks will be fired, but also, uh, I, I agree with you that at a certain point, you got to stop defensively calling games the way that he does and giving the, these opposing teams, these long, drawn out drives just because you don't want them to hit you over the top and yeah the the way that he calls games just you know bull rushing a bunch in a game well he does that against lesser opponents and it works it works really great sometimes it worked against vandy the vandy you you injured their quarterback because you hit him so much but against good teams like georgia and, and missouri this year they just they run all over you and and it just it ruins uh, to to your point there with the butchism it is not complimentary football and it kind of drives your offense into the ground and it's and it's nightmare on top of nightmare when your offense is also not working uh and you're not giving yourself chances to get back on the field it, it is weird weirdly it is almost better to have the other team score and give yourself chances <laughs> you know you don't want to say let them score but in some sense maybe do uh and it's you know it's just different philosophies as far as how to call a defensive game but you know maybe there there could be something there just reevaluations that could be done with with Heupel's offense with this defense and then maybe there has to be you know kind of a sacrificial lamb there and in, in Willie Martinez or something like that just to show people that you're you're moving on, moving up. Uh, but I honestly, I, I kind of, as far as that goes with Heupel's time so far, he has been very loyal. And I, I would almost go, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of somebody actually getting fired. I, I don't know. Um, I, I could see that not happening all, all at the same time as much as I could see it happening. So we'll see. Yeah, some, sometimes people are getting fired. It, it's more stuff behind the scenes that you don't see. It's how do they get along with people? Good players make good defensive coordinators, right? I mean, ultimately, the guys with the best talent are the best defensive coordinators in college football, typically. So, you know, get more talent. Maybe Tim Banks looks better. Really, with defensive coordinator, unless there's just a guy like like I thought maybe a, a Dave Aranda might would fit in well with Heupel's culture, but it looks like he's sticking around at Baylor for another season, so he won't be available. We've been through this before. When you change defensive coordinators sometimes, you know, going from John Jancic to Bob Shoup 2015 to 2016 was a disaster. It didn't work out. It wasn't a good fit. Uh, sometimes you bring in these new defensive coordinators in a year where you think the offense is going to be pretty good, like in 2012 with South and Sari. It just doesn't work out. And you try to move to this new system. Everybody's trying to learn it. All the continuity's gone because if you, you know, for it to work, especially somebody like Heupel, who's an offensive-minded coach, if you bring in a new defensive coordinator, kind of got to let them be the head coach of the defense, which means bringing in your own guys to some extent. You don't want to lose Rodney Gardner. Mike Eckler has turned out, I mean, the punt return, what was it Tennessee had like 40 yards, they allowed like 40 yards in punt returns this season or something absurdly low, like they hardly ever allowed a return. The outside linebackers that he coached played pretty well. James Pierce was getting off the edge. I mean, I think his energy is probably a guy you want to keep around. I don't know, you know, much about what what the linebackers coach Brian G. Mary, you know, what that kind of relationships right like or the impact he's having on the middle linebackers. Kind of got to give him a pass these last couple of years because he had 
Jeremy Banks, who fast but not really a, an SEC linebacker. Uh, Keenan Peely goes down this season, which is going to make you look really good. You got to go into that depth. Elijah Herring yeah. doesn't really look like an SEC linebacker, so kind of give him a pass. Really, Martinez is the only guy that you can kind of point to with the cornerback play that you could say, hey, let's maybe make a change here. Otherwise, I don't think you want to go whole staff overhaul, especially going into a year where you hope to really compete for a playoff spot, you know, with the 12 team, expanding the 12 teams next year. Yes. Um, could talk, you know, a, a lot more about that, but we, we do uh, have to move on a little bit. Let's talk about this transfer portal. Uh, it's It's a big obviously huge topic at the moment and lord knows tennessee needs talent i mean jl says it right here we need more talent we have half the blue chip ratio of bama and uh i mean you you look at that that is true and then also you had a two touchdown lead on them at the half in tuscaloosa this year and you just ended up falling completely flat in the second half so if you could get that talent where could you go and i i think it's a great point so let's talk about the transfer portal good and bad for tennessee Right after, I tell you about Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. I've had both. Shown them both on this very show. Uh, and they're uh, amazing in cocktails. Great, just neat in a glass. Go get your hands on a bottle. Uh, their rattle and snap is available in stores across the state of Tennessee, but also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run and don't walk to get some rattle and snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Follow rattle and snap on Instagram at rattle and snap whiskey. Hopefully, uh, folks bought some for Thanksgiving. I know a great after Thanksgiving meal treat is a great glass of whiskey. You gotta, you gotta get some. Uh, maybe, maybe for Christmas dinner now, you can turn your sights and go get some rattle and snap. So, all right, to the transfer portal. Let's start here. Everybody's going to want to know. Before we talk about what Tennessee needs to add, let's talk about what Tennessee needs to not lose. There's really not been a ton of news about uh, the, the rumors of who might leave Tennessee, and nobody, at least that I've seen to this point, and this changes constantly. I mean, Lord knows by the time tomorrow morning rolls around, this could be completely different. But uh, but nobody has has put their name in the transfer portal yet or said that they intend to be in the transfer portal yet for Tennessee. But Dylan Sampson, the uh, the semi star running back for Tennessee. I mean, I, <clears throat> I would say if he had played more this season, he would be the star running back. But Jalen Wright had such a great year getting over a thousand yards, by the way. Amazing accomplishment for him. And I love that. Uh, but Dylan Sampson. Makes a melodramatic, I guess, was it on his Instagram stories? He posted yeah. a black and white photo and it had a Drake song called I'm Going Home. And she's, he's from Baton Rouge, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's college kid stuff. Um, Jalen Wright did the same thing last year. I, at first glance, I go, this is him shooting for NIL money because it looks like he's going to be running back number one next year if Jalen. Jalen Wright, who I believe could come back, uh, but I I don't think he should. I think he should move on and and capitalize on this amazing year that he had. But uh, Dylan Sampson should be running back number one next year um, and with Cam Selden as the backup there. And I believe Jabari Small actually has to age out finally. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this is just him vying for NIL money. 
as he probably should. Ultimately, probably a smart move. They gave it to Jalen Wright last year. You know, he he did this stuff, and it was like same week. Some news came out of like, here's a new NIL partnership. Like two for days Jaylen later, Wright. it was two days later. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it just uh, it feels the same. Could could Dylan Sampson leave? For sure. The transfer portal is crazy, and and Lord knows that I'm I'm sure LSU would be happy to have Dylan Sampson. Uh, just with with his the look that he has of kind of being reminiscent of Alvin Kamara, I think that that comparison got made a lot this season. Uh, but I think if Tennessee plays it smart, he he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm not worried at all about that one. I mean, that's not to say that he can't change his mind and decide to leave and hit the portal. But I'm kind of like you. Like we've seen this before. Tyler Barron, I think, did it after the yeah. 2021 season. Jalen Wright last season. It's kind of the move that you make. Uh, It's very common. Look, when these guys are going to hit the portal, I mean, look at today. It's been left and right. You go look at the 24-7 sports portal tracker on Twitter. or It's it's been going off all day, all day with guys hitting the portal. Talented players from big schools, Miami, UNC, NC State. I mean, all kinds of programs you've seen. Missouri's lost some, I think. Purdue. If your guys are going to hit the portal, they're going to hit the portal, and they're going to do it quickly because they want to get that spot locked in. I mean, this is a crazy week. You can't you can't officially transfer anywhere till next Monday, I believe, after the conference championship games. So, but all that jockeying around is happening right now. Like these are when these spots are getting filled, so you don't really want to be left out of that, or you might not have a place to go. Samson would find a home. Obviously, he's that talented. Plenty of programs would make a spot for him quickly. He's not, you know, going to fall into that category. But at the same time, if you want to go where you want to go, you know, now is when you're getting in the portal these next, you know, day or so. So I think it's definitely just seems like a ploy to get some nil money and and hey, teach their own. Like I don't mind that play at all. No. Ultimately, you know, it worked for Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright gave him a thousand yard rushing season. Exactly. And it wasn't like he got paid and took it easy. You know, he he got paid and worked harder, had the best season of his career. So it's not a bad thing. It's weird that I hate the whole setup of it. I hate that it comes to this. I hate that it has to be like this and it has to all happen in this two week period with signing day coming up, trying to figure out your bowl game prep and what's going to happen there, where you're going, bringing early enrollees in, kind of working them into bowl prep and kind of like last season, and then recruiting your own players to stay on the roster, trying to figure out who's staying, especially with the COVID year deal still being a factor, and who you're going to bring into the program from the portal that you have to replace. I mean, it's a lot all at one time. It's the most important couple of weeks of the entire college football season when it comes to the future of the program. These two weeks will define what the 2024 Tennessee team looks like and, you know, and beyond to some extent. So it's an extremely, extremely important couple of weeks that if you're a college football coach, you kind of got to be locked in and working around the clock right now. Troy says, why should good players have to do that to get NIL? I, I don't think it's that they have to do that. They just know the power that they wield. Mm -hmm. I think you look at Dylan Sampson and how much hype he got this season off of the play that we saw. And, and I mean, he just looks like he's a dog. He's, he's a really good player out there. And so he knows his worth and he goes, it's just a a negotiating chip to put on the table. 
I I can't say that I would be above it if I was in his position. I I mean, Lord knows Jalen Wright may have told him to do it. I mean, who who knows? He he would go he would go like, hey young man, it worked for me. Why don't you just do that? And and so fine. Uh, and and so it's it's just you know I I don't That's think the other thing is to. where where does this come from? Does it come from the does it come from the people inside of Tennessee's building? It's not like Josh Heupel's paying Dylan Sampson out of his pocket. Is he like, hey, send the tweet? I mean, you've heard Dylan Sampson all season. He's talked to the media quite a bit this season. The dude never really, you know, he seemed a little irritated after he didn't get a single carry at Florida, at least on social media. But then you listen to him talk the game after that, and the guy talks about how much he loves being at Tennessee, how happy he is, that they're laughing up there about the the Instagram post, I mean, with his teammates. It didn't seem like this tense situation at all. Like maybe it's just us. Maybe maybe the maybe the thing meant nothing. Who knows? But I, I, he doesn't strike me as the type that was eager to get out. Like we've seen players no. in the past before when they hit the portal, it wasn't shocking. You know, when Tyon Evans hit the portal, I don't I wasn't surprised at all in the way that, that whole thing transpired. Dylan Sampson would be a little different because a lot of times it's it's NIL driven to a, a point, but most of the time it's the situation. Like you're leaving because you know quarterbacks are leaving because they want to go start somewhere and have a shot to show what they can do and get drafted. Dylan Sampson, like you've said, he has that already. He knows he's not looking for that. He knows what he's going to get, and he knows the offense. He knows his best chance to have a huge season like Jalen Wright just had is to stay at Tennessee. Like all those things right there are in Tennessee's favor. It, it definitely just seems like a how can I get a raise? No different than you might do with your employer at work. I mean, you got everybody's kind of got a move that they might play every now and then, and and that's his. Yeah, it it just feels like when you evaluate the the situation as a whole, it just feels like a negotiating chip that he's kind of putting on the table. And and fair enough. Again, as I said, he he probably should. Now there are two other elements to the transfer portal and NIL to talk about. One is keeping guys here that you want to keep here. And then the other is obviously getting guys out of the portal. Let's start with keeping guys here. Uh, I think somebody said it, it might have been Pop, Papa Jay in the comments like way earlier in the show. But he said, you know, you got to keep Cooper Mays. Well, Cooper Mays didn't go. Thankfully, hopefully this is this is exactly what it seems like. But Cooper Mays did not go through senior day festivities. Um, I mean, he's not a senior, but he, uh, you know, he he can come back this coming season. And it looks like he may or will or take it however you want. Uh, but I think for him, well, I think he was, I think he had, he was a senior, but he has his COVID year left. Oh, that's, that's sure. Sure. Okay. So he's, but he can come back regardless. Yeah. Um, he didn't go through senior activities. I mean, yeah, at this point there, there are guys who have been in college football for seven years and still have a COVID year. Like it's so crazy. It's uh, yeah. I can't wait till that's in the past and we can, <sighs> It's so hard to figure out what what qualifies, what doesn't. If you were at a junior, because I think if you're like if you're at a junior college during that COVID year, it doesn't count. I believe that's why Kamal Haddon can't return because he was a JUCO yeah. transfer and they didn't even have a season or something in 2020. So there was no the NCAA can't grant him something for a year he wasn't an NCAA player. But on on top of Cooper Mays, I mean, you you're I I don't he seems like a Tennessee guy. I'm not sure you're going to, you got to pay him to get him to come back. I think he's going to want to come back. Um, you know, a little un, unfinished business, but you know, a guy like that, give him an NIL deal. Spragans gets injured into season early. 
a great opportunity for him to come back, build that NFL profile, get get him NIL money. Uh, 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 Keenan Peely, Gabe Judy Lolly, you know, name name your guys as far as who could come back there. There's a whole set of them that I think Tennessee would really, really benefit from. Now, there's a whole set of guys, too, that you could, you know, maybe it's just time to, to move on. But uh, I, I think you could get these guys back and it would be really beneficial and great to have seniors in the room and, and to just have that base. I Keenan, Keenan Peely on the defense. Keenan Peely to me is like, that's that guy that I want back. Is Omar Norman lot totally done is I'm not is he sure. timed out. That would be one he, that you definitely want back. Whew, he, he would be great on the interior of the defensive line. Think, thankfully on, on the edge, you got, you got what looked like some pretty good young guns. If Baron ends up moving on who I, I think Baron still has. Yeah. He has a COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, there's, there's plenty of guys that you want to come back at the same time, guys, you want to come in. I think to me, one of the top ones, obviously cornerbacks has to be one that you're looking at. Wide receivers has to be one that you're, you're looking at. Line. You know, one one A, one B, one C there as far as those yeah, go. I mean, you take, need, take your pick. You need a left guard. You need you need a left tackle. John Campbell only had one season. He's moving on. Mincy yeah. still has time. I think Crawford still has a year that he could come back if he but you really want to upgrade and add some uh add some depth there. I mean, you had guys and Dane Davis did a tremendous job filling in former Walker and was the SEC offensive lineman of the week, you know, this week for his play against Vanderbilt. Those aren't the guys you're going to go win championships with. You you really got to upgrade your depth and, and your starters at some of those positions. So I think really offensive line, you got to find a really good tackle and a really good guard. You know, they tried last season. Carriage just, you know, he's hurt a lot. We really didn't get to see what, what he could do, but he really wasn't separating himself. I mean, Ollie Lane was competing for that spot, so he kind of had to fill in at center some there. He got some young guys too, but you definitely need to hit the portal for that for some offensive line help. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then, I mean, whew, go get go get Jordan Seaton, please. Obviously, he's not transfer. He would be uh, just a high school kid coming in. But you know, you you need five star talent on on that line. You got. One in the class at the moment, but another would be, I guess, a four star in the class at the moment. But you need, if you could get seed, and that would be massive. But there's been a lot of talk uh, here in the comments about quarterback. Yes. Uh, which I think it's super interesting. Well, the 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 name, Crompton actually said this on our post game show. He said Tennessee should go after Will Rogers at, at Mississippi State. I think Will Rogers is going to go somewhere where he can, he's going to be the guy. And, and he yeah. should. I think he's extremely talented, and I think he would go and start at a ton of schools right now. A guy that I look at that I think Tennessee could maybe pick up and actually provide competition for Nico uh, is uh, is Mac Johnson coming from uh, Texas A&M. He was one that I saw today, and I went, hmm, that could be a nice pickup right there. Bring him in. Nice veteran presence. He's been, Lord knows, he's been this journeyman all over the SEC at LSU, yeah. not at Texas A&M. Maybe you could pick him up here. And, you know, it, it would be a nice uh, depth depth piece. And I, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that he would take over that spot with just, I think, the potential that Nico has shown. But, uh, you know, I, I think that would be great to just bring in another piece. You got Jake Merklinger coming in as, as a young guy. You got Gaston Moore, who, yeah, he's a walk-on, but has shown 
that he can be competent out out there. Uh, and I think and he was so, a three star, like a low three star guy too. It's not like he's just a total random no. player that that walked like literally walked onto the roster. You know, he's a guy like he he's played at a decently high level. You know, coming out of I think he's from uh, Hilton Head, coming out of that area, and then I think he was at UCF before he transferred. So it's not like he's just a random name out there. He 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 can play. And we saw in the spring game. He looked pretty good in the spring game. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's got chops. Knows the offense so, too, which is hugely important. Well, yes. But you you know, you you have the up and comer with Merklinger. Uh, and then you know, you you could build on that with just Max Johnson was the one where I saw and I went like that that could be the fit right there where you could maybe convince him to come here and and be that competition for Nico to build Nico up with a guy that has a ton of experience. Uh, and, and I, I think that that could maybe be a solution, but I, I would, I would go off after somebody at that. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I've said before that I thought that was a mistake going into last season. One, just giving Joe Milton the job when he really, you know, he hadn't, he had some nice moments, right. And blowouts and, and that orange bowl, but you gotta go win the job. Like your best, situations come when somebody goes and wins the job and Milton never had to win the job. Nico's not going to have to win the job. I mean, he's going to be given the job and look, I think we've seen the potential in, in limited moments that he's played, but we haven't seen Nico out in a game in a drive where he has to get a first down. We've seen him. Okay. We'll just take a field goal here. We'll punt the game's over. It doesn't really matter. Just run this play. It's not that much. It's a different. It's a different game, right? I mean, it's, we said the same thing about Joe Milton coming in last season. It's easy to perform in those moments. So, not that I'm doubting Nico by any means, but I, I think you do need that competition. Obviously, Merklinger is not 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 going to give you that competition because he's he's going to be learning the system. Anyone you bring in will be learning the system to some extent, but they've got college football experience. It's just so hard to bring in a guy that has NFL aspirations when they know that Nico is Heupel's guy and they know that they got this NIL deal and Merklinger's there in 2024 and maybe George McIntyre in 2025. Like once Heupel gets it going, it could be a beautiful thing. You know, these guys could start as sophomores, redshirt sophomores or whatever the situation is. And you just kind of keep it going. But I, I, I do think that this is a really young quarterback room with, with Nico kind of leading it, Gaston Moore kind of being that veteran presence there, and then you got a true freshman. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. You know, Nico's a very humble, mature kid, uh, but is he ready to be the leader of that quarterback room and the team without having to kind of prove himself in that competitive way like he's just going to – be anointed the guys kind of from the first round pick in the NFL just gets thrown out there like a Bryce Young and you're expected to lead this team of veterans uh, from day one you know sometimes it does work and we have seen it work plenty of times and and, and I think it will with Nico because I think this team really believes in him and his work ethic and his personality but it's still a lot to I don't know there's so many variables there when you're talking about team sports that that competition brings out the best in people and I would like to see Nico have that, but I don't know. I don't know where you turn. I don't even know if Max Johnson would be willing to to take over that role. Timothy says Ty Simpson from yeah, Alabama. I wouldn't be a surprise to see him hit the portal, but again, he's going to be right, looking you, for playing time. Yeah, I mean he he came out as a five star, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and and you know went went to Alabama with with a pretty decent amount of hype. It hasn't panned out there. 
at all. Uh, also, Heupel pretty well roasted his dad uh, back in, was that 2021? When he did no, that? that was last, last year. Yeah, I covered that day, yeah. It seemed a little contentious uh, there, so maybe the, there's a little bit of love lost. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's another situation where he said, you know, like a Will Rogers, like you're you're going somewhere where you think you're going to get a chance to shine. I mean, Ty Simpson yeah. going into his third year, he's looking to start somewhere if he leaves Alabama. Yeah, he's not going to start Alabama. I I I don't think that that they they tested those waters. It's not and maybe maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like he's he's the heir apparent there, um, but uh, you know, I think that might that might be it. Anything else uh, with uh, with football with to to bring up that I saw there was a there was an article that Austin Stanley was was texting us about uh, where there was a, a source that talked about the new schedule for SEC football. Um, and that Tennessee will be playing Oklahoma on September 21st, according to this. This was in in ESPN. Chris, yeah, I think it's Chris Lowe. Yeah, ESPN. Chris Lowe. Um, and so that if you're if you're playing them on September 21st, when are you playing Florida? That is is Oklahoma your opening SEC game? Could be. That's year. interesting. I mean, we did see what uh, was it? Was it 2022? 21? Uh, they played, uh, I think it was 2022, they played Florida the first weekend in October. Uh, recently, they've you know kind of had some more flexibility. I think SEC scheduling is going to change a ton here, you know, moving forward. Some of these traditional dates just aren't going to be that way. I mean, we saw, you know, Georgia in late November this season. So some odd things happening there with the schedule. You do get Florida at home, so... You know, you're at Oklahoma. That would still be a pretty tough stretch going at Oklahoma, then following it up with Florida the next week, if that's what it ends up being. Though Florida just fired half of their defensive staff today at Little Life. So there's some disarray down there. Yeah. I Napier's not that guy. That's tough. He's he's uh he's kind of Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt mixed together yes. for Florida down there right now. He sounds just like both of them. It's incredible. <laughs> He really does. Uh, and you saw like the, there was that clip that went viral today of his his players uh, smacking a, a yeah, coach. Yeah, not not like across the face, but like the, the coach was like holding his shoulder, and the player turned around and, like smacked his arm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they not going so hot for old Napier down there. Um, you know, Dan Mullen's just laughing, just chuckling <laughs> to himself. Yeah, Dan, Dan's having a good time. He he was in contention for that Syracuse job, and he brushed it off. Um, so man, I hopefully they just keep going in the dumper. That would be nice. Uh, I think that uh, that might be it. That's a show. We're already at a at an hour ten, and pe- people are talking about what we're about to go do. James says it here. Josh Dobbs first Monday night game tonight uh, with the Vikings. Hopefully he can uh, gotta be. It's the Bears, right? They're playing the Bears. Yeah, they're playing the Bears. Big old gotta garbage dump Bears. So hopefully and Justin Dobbs. Fields is back. So you never know. He's he can be done at times. That is true. Uh, but hopefully the Vikings uh, with with Dobbs a pull that one out. It's been a lot of fun to see him play. But there's, I mean, there's so much. Ooh, AJ Swan just hit the portal from Vanderbilt. That's a hey, that maybe. Maybe there's your guy, state of Tennessee. Come on down. Um, we we can go from beating you up to uh, to being a depth player for us. Uh, no, yeah. Hey, why not? Come on down. Um, but that's 
that's going to be it for this week. Is we're we're going long here. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Let's go watch some Monday Night Football with Dobbsy. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for watching. Seriously, I always say it. It means the world. We couldn't do this show without everybody that watches and comments. The comments were were awesome as always tonight. We could not appreciate it more. Thank you, thank you. Um, that's it. Uh, like, subscribe, hit all this stuff. I mean, you you know what to do. It's it's done. Let's go watch Monday Night Football. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.